All right, so welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us for the fifth session in the series, The Laws of Kashrut and Jewish-Gentile Relations by Dr. Shana Strauss-Schick. And now without delay, I'll turn this to Dr. Strauss-Schick. Thank you so much. And it's nice to uh, see everyone again as we can continue and hopefully come complete our uh, study of Pat Akum, the prohibition against uh, eating bread that's been baked by a, a non-Jew. Um, now, just to review, um, I'll just share my screen with my uh, PowerPoint presentation. We've all seen a bunch of times, but uh, uh, so we saw in the Mishnah about Sarah that there's a prohibition amongst other uh, things that the rabbis uh, decreed against eating pat the Hashem and the bread and the oil the, the, a bread baked by a, a non-Jew and oil produced by non-Jews and oil was allowed. And then we saw the Bavli uh, uh, text on this Mishnah, uh, on the prohibition against eating bread, where we kind of saw a back and forth about the issue. We saw that, um, first we examined the relationship between this prohibition against eating the bread baked by an, a non-Jew um, as against the more a general prohibition against eating uh, food cooked by a non-Jew, and is this just a, is 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 this just another example of official akum, or is this is this or is pot akum its own prohibition? We saw Haran say they really are the same, but they were made at two different times. First came uh, pot akum, then came official akum later on. We saw the Ron give a different uh, explanation that really these are not the same prohibitions. Then uh, pot akum is a prohibition which is much more uh, strict and severe than official akum. And as long as a, as a, as a, as a, as a non-Jew owns the bread, a Jew is not ever allowed to eat it at all, whereas Bishalakum, uh, as long as the Jew is involved in the cooking a process in uh, some way, then it is allowed. And the Rambam is like the Ram, but uh, different in that he uh, explains that Patakum and Bishalakum are not the same prohibition. However, Patakum is, is more lenient than Bishalakum. And whereas in Patakum, a Jew can just be involved in a very minimal, symbolic way, whereas in Bishalakum, the Jew has to be involved in a much more meaningful way. Then we saw the Bablia, the Sugya. So I was mentioning the four uh, bring different opinions as to whether Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi ever re-evokes the prohibition against pat akum or uh, not. Um, and it was kind of two opinions about this in the Gemara. And we saw the Shalmi, uh, which uh, said that pat akum had been re-evoked by the rabbis in Kearsharia, and it seems other places in the land of Israel as well. And then we went to the medieval Shonim to try to understand why Pat Akum isn't really relevant uh, back then, uh, certainly during medieval times and uh, even uh, today as well. Um, we saw the uh, Tosavists uh, say that, uh, well, since even originally the prohibition against eating Pat Akum never uh, spread to all the communities of uh, Jewish uh, people, uh, therefore, if you live in a place where people eat Pat Akum, you must be in a place where either the prohibition ever uh, spread in the first place or where the court revoked it. We saw the Rush who say, 
Well, either like the atosophists, it, it didn't uh, spread to all the countries and therefore we don't have to observe it. Or if you live in a place where the prohibition did uh, spread, nevertheless, if there's no Jewish baker, um, then it's an issue of chaye nefesh. You know, it's like a matter of life. Uh, bread was the main uh, source of uh, food that uh, people ate. And if you don't have any uh, bread to eat, then people will effectively uh, starve. Um, and uh, I believe uh, we left off with the Ron, um, who explained that uh, well, this is that why can we be lenient? Either because that's the view in the Yeru Shalmi, um, or even the Bavli it help did have a views which are lenient. Rev Adim, going back to the Gemara, Rev Adim and Rev Yosef might have said that. Rebbe never permitted pat akum, but then we saw the opinions of Reb Chabo and Rebbe Yochanan, who said, well, that a bread, pat akum is allowed either if there's no Jewish a baker, or if you live in a field. And in a field, there's less of a concern of intermarriage because the uh, uh, assumption is the uh, meals people have are not like a formal uh, sit-down meal, more of an impromptu kind of eating on the go. And there's no concern that more meaningful relationships will uh, form and ultimately lead to intermarriage. Um, so the Ron says, we don't only have to look to the Yeru Shalmi to be lenient, even within the Bavli itself, there is room to be lenient. And um, we now turn to the Rambam, which is the next source on the page. So let me just uh, share the text um, so everyone can see where we are. So we're in um, the, the Rambam now. Um, he writes, even though pat akum, the bread baked by non-Jew, is prohibited by the Mishnah, there are a places where people are lenient and they buy the bread of a non-Jewish baker. Either it's a place where there's no Jewish baker, and it's in a field, because clearly if there's no Jewish baker, then it's a pressing matter. There won't be any food for people to eat, and uh, we have to allow that. Um, but to have the bread of a regular non-baker, a regular non-Jew, your non-Jewish there's no one who would be lenient about that. Because the main reason, the basis for prohibiting pat akum is the fear that it'll ultimately lead to intermarriage. If you eat the bread of just a regular non-Jew and non-professional, you might come to eat with them. If you eat with them, that will uh, form a more meaningful relationship. So the Rambam allows for those, he's uh, clearly relying on the Babli. Um, let me just go back to the other share to those two kind of additions which were presented in the Bavli, 
he's um, gleaning both from Reb Chalbo and Rebbe Yocha Anan, that, meaning that these two opinions work together. That pat akum, the bread of an of a of a of a on a Jewish baker is allowed only when there's no Jewish baker per Reb Chelbo, and it's in a field per Rebbe Yocha Nan. So he uses both of these opinions and says that they work together to both allow pat akum, but to also limit it to both of these conditions of being met. Um, now, finally, sorry, let's look at the Ron, which is the next song, the next uh, uh, horse after the Ramba, and I'll just have it here. So, um, and he is lenient, um, like both of these opinions as well, um, and even more than them. Um, and he writes, first he says, According to the occlusion of the Abavli, even the Abavli, Pat Akum would be allowed. But it's not the opinion of everyone in the Abavli, rather it's a dispute amongst the Amo. Ra'im, amongst the rabbis in the Babli, with Rabbi Yosef and Reb and uh, Reb Adimi saying Rebbe never allowed pat akum. But others who appear in the Babli disagree and say that Rebbe did allow the bread of a non-Jew. Reb Chabo, Rebbe Yochan, Shaku, Vitaru, Aliva, Demand, Amarhachi. And those two opinions, sorry, let me go back to this. Those two opinions of Rev Chalbo and Rebbe Yochanan, um, they are according to the views that Rebbe did uh, permit Pat Akum. So it's a dispute between Rebbe Adimi and Rebbe Yosef on the one hand, who held Rebbe never permitted Pat Akum. They're on one side of the argument. And on the other side is Rebbe Chalbo and Rebbe Yochanan who say Rebbe did allow Pat Akum and they just uh, differ as to how he allowed it. Either he allowed it where there's no Jewish baker, or he allowed it in the field. Um, okay, and uh, continuing in the run, the ule inyan. I'm just uh, skipping now to the end of the third line after the three dots, So even one who has a bread, you have access to other bread, but you nevertheless like the bread of the, of the non-Jewish baker more. So you have access to a, a Grunbaum's uh, challah, but you really like uh, Thomas's English muffins more. They just are better. They have, they're unique. They're not made by any Jewish uh, baker. The Rashba uh, allows that. Why? Dekeva, and, and that's the Rashba, the shame Rabo Harab Rabbeinu Yona. The Rashba allowed that in the name of his a teacher, Rabbeinu Yona. Dekevan Shutar Pat Shalapalter Shalapalter Le Since 
we do allow, once we have already allowed the bread of a non-Jewish baker, as we see here, you know, once we already allowed that, Kutra Kohecha Deleka Palter Yisrael. We allow it anytime there's no Jewish a baker. And a Kevan Shadato shall Adam Nocha Yoter Bipat shall a palter Mipnecha Shibuto, Harezel Kepat de Hukalo. And if you really like the non Jewish bread more, even though you actually do have access to Jewish baked bread, it's as if it's a shot de hak. It's as if it's this emergency almost. It's as if you don't have bread. Um, and you're allowed to eat the non-Jewish bread. So not only are you allowed to eat non-Jewish baker's bread when there's no Jewish baker available, but you're even allowed to eat non-Jewish baked bread where you just like the non-Jewish brand better. It's artisan bread and it's not available by a Jewish baker. That's an additional reason to allow pot Akum says the Ran. Um, and he concludes here. Chain Hadin Yisrael. And this is the rule. Even where there is a Jewish a baker, but it's just the bread of the non-Jewish baker is a better. That is an additional reason to be lenient. Um, so all these different reasons we have seen, either as Atos and LaRush say, the, prohib the prohibition never a spread to every place amongst all the Jews. Um, so either you live in a place where that prohibition never uh, spread, or the baked in has the right to revoke this prohibition. Or as the Ron says, um, we follow the more lenient opinion in the Abavli. Um, or as the Rambam says, if 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 you're, you're you're in a field and there's no Jewish baker, and then lastly we saw the the Ron say if the Jewish if the non-Jewish bakery bread is just a better you like it more. That's as if you're in a place where there's no Jewish uh, baker. Um, and um, the way that Allah has been uh, codified, we find both these abuse, both the uh, Shulchan Arach, uh, following the more limited leniency of the Ram Abam, um, whereas the Ramah goes with the more a broader leniency of the Ashkenazim. Um, and we'll, let's just read the next source together. I'll stop the share and uh, do the other share now. Okay, so the next uh, source, the Shulchanach rules as uh, follows. This is in Siman Kuf Yevet Zepet. Yesh mekomot shemekhilim bedavar. There are places where they are lenient. Belochim pat me nachtom ha'oved kochavim. And people do buy bread from non-Jewish bakers. Bemakom she'en sham nachtom Yisrael. And this is in a place where there's no Jewish baker, because it's like a pressing need, because you need bread. So he's like the Rambam. However, unlike the Rambam, he doesn't limit it to the field. Um, he says, as long as there's no Jewish baker, and it seems to be any place, it's as if, you know, there's a real need. And he seems to be more in line with the rush um, in this regard, who we had seen last uh, time. 
The Ramah, however, adds a huge leniency, and he writes, Shomrim afilu b'makom shepat Yisrael matsoi shari. And there are those who say that even if you're in a place where there is a Jewish or baker, it is a still allowed to have non-Jewish bakers or bread. Um, that's the Ramah. So you don't even need to be in a place where you don't have any access to Jewish baked or bread. Even if they're Jewish or bakers, you can always have the baked goods of a non-Jewish baker. And this is not limited to what the Ron said of you like it more or it's better. The Ramah doesn't uh, qualify this. Um, then turning, returning to the Shochan Aruch, Rabbi Yosef Akairo, he writes about Patshal Bale Abatim Ein But the bread of a regular non-Jew, a non a baker, a friend, there is no one who's lenient about that. Shikar This is now verbatim like the Ram Abam because the main reason for the for the decree is the fear of interment. And if you eat the bread of a regular non-Jew, you'll come to eat with them. That leads to relationships and intermarriage down the road. Um, so that's the Shulchan Arach. And once again, the Ramah qualifies this and adds a leniency. Haga, this is a, a note again by the Ramah of Moshe Israelis, below Beto. It's only a call the bread of a regular non-Jew if the non-Jew made the bread for the for the people in their household. About but if they bake the bread to uh, hell, mikre a palter, this is called a, a baker's bread. Even though they're not a baker, they don't normally sell a bread. As long as this bread that you want to eat uh, for them, they're not, they didn't make for their household, they made it to hell. That's not the bread of a Balhabayat. That's not the bread of a regular non Jew. That is the bread of a non Jewish baker. And likewise, the opposite. If a non Jewish baker baked bread for themselves, that's you, you uh, can't eat that bread because that would be the, the bread of a Balhabayat, of a regular person. Now, the Shach comments on the leniency of the Ramah. Where it writes Yesh uh, Mekamot, where the Shochanach wrote that there are places which are very lenient about Pat Akum and by the bread of a non-Jewish a baker, the Shach comments that Lo Dame Lishlakot, Pat Akum, is not like a Bishal Akum, which we learned about. Whereas a Bishal Akum, no one's lenient about. Yeah, we are lenient in what we can consider being involved in the cooking of process, but we would never say that Bishal Akum doesn't apply. I mean, you know, if we 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 would never say that there's no prohibition against Bishal Akum that there are people don't observe Bishal Akum. You know, maybe there are ways to be lenient about it if the Jew is involved. It's in the, if it's in the, a Jew's home and everything we have learned. But pat alkum is not like a bishalakum. Whereas in the case of a bishalakum, lo nagu heter bishomakum, there's no place where a bishalakum isn't up 
operative, but why are we so linked to that part? Because people need bread to live. The reasoning we had seen in the Yerushalmi applies. It's a matter of uh, saving a life. You need bread to live. This is why we're also very lenient with regard to bread, as we'll learn soon, that a tossing a straw into the fire works, even in cases where pot akum would be operative. So that's one reason the shach brings why we are so lean about bread, because people need bread to live. Bread is the a basis of the, a diet for you know, much of his history, which is not the case with other uh, foods. Um, and he brings an end that the shop brings an additional reason why we are leaning, which we have, which we, we've, we've already seen earlier, that he's echoing the opinion of the Tosafist. And he writes, so this is what we've seen, that the original prohibition never spread all over. Again, we have already seen this, that the prohibition against eating pot never spread to all the Jewish people, okay? But now he goes one step further. According to this, if the reason you can be lenient is that you live in a place where the prohibition never spread in the first place, that would mean that one could even eat the bread of a regular non-Jew and not just the bread of a non-Jewish baker. If you're lenient, that must show that you live in a place where the where the prohibition never spread in the first place, and uh, therefore you don't need those other reasons of there's no there's no Jewish baker, you're in the field. Those only apply if you're in a place where the prohibition already was, and now you have leniencies to work around it. But if you're in a place where the people are just generally lenient, and thus it's a place where the prohibition never spread, that would mean it never was there at all. And any non-Jewish bread would be allowed. Now that would of course beg the question of, so what comes first, the people not observing it or you know, this reasoning that it never spread there. And how do you know if you're in such a place? So, you know, I'm not uh, sure, but as I mentioned a few uh, times, the reality in medieval Ashkenaz was that people did not own their own ovens. I have a, a picture of what this looked like. Now, people could own a small oven in their home where they uh, cook other types of uh, food. But the way that bread was made, it had to be made in these very large communal ovens known as uh, for a panel. Someone's a French, they can say that better than I could. Um, and these are very, very large and they were big uh, fire hazards. So therefore under the feudal system and then, and then later under the guilds, no one can own 
their own oven for a baking bread like this. It had a, there was one for a, a village, for a town, for a city. And you maybe, and if earlier on during the time of Rashi, a Jews may have been able to operate such ovens and even own them, we see that by the 12th and 13th century during the times of Rabbi Yotam, and many uh, cases it was just impossible for, or just not uh, a reality for a Jew to own this and operate it. So very often um, in medieval times in Europe, Jews were just not able to own or operate the ovens necessary for a baking of bread. So this was just, you know, the reality was there may really, for many a Jews, have been no other bread available other than pot hakum, other than the bread baked by a non-Jew. Now, you know, what that says about us, where we do have bread available, we do have, you know, many Jewish brands available, you know, why that's still operative, you know, if it is, you know, that's certainly a question that we will um, uh, address uh, shortly as we go on to later times. But we see the Ramah, who's, who's living in you know, modern Europe, um, 1700s, 1800s, he's still main attaining the akulot of the Ashkenazim for him and allowing pot akum. And it seems in Ashkenaz, the leniencies with regard to pot akum remained in a place during the time of the Shah as well. Um, and so Hashgach Akashris organizations nowadays give a terim, give a Hashgacha to the bread baked by a non-Jew. And, you know, many of us eat uh, Thomas's English muffins. I don't know, but I, I don't uh, think there's a, a Jewish a person there uh, turning on the oven, but I can. I can certainly be wrong, um, but uh, we eat pot hakum, and for uh, various reasons, it could be the reason of the run. You know, no kosher company makes anything as great as Thomas's English muffins or the artisan breads and Trader uh, Joe's. Um, but the uh, the general uh, practice is to be lenient uh, with regard to pot hakum. But there is a time uh, during the year when we are machmer, when we are strict about pat akum, and that is during Aseret Yemei Teshuva, the days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, I have to say, living in Israel, pat akum is really not much of an issue that you don't really think about because, you know, even in uh, places where non-Jews are making the food, there's just, you know, Jews on the premises all the time. And so it's really, Patakum is not much, is, is not such a thing. But this year, actually, I flew to the US, Motzei Rosh Hashanah, and um, after the Songit Adalia, I, I bought bread to eat. And I realized, oh, shoot, this is Patakum. I totally forgot to look at this. And I, I couldn't eat the Trader of Joe's bread I had bought. Um, so let's now examine this accustomed to be uh, strict about pot akum during a seretime to shuba. Can I ask a question? Sorry. Yes, absolutely. Okay, it's just like I guess more in general topic of um, bishal akum and pot akum. So pot akum, it seems like um, it's you try to find leniencies because bread is essential, like an essential yeah. thing to 
But at the end of the day, for Bishal Akam, there's always kind of a way to do it. Like, you know, just stoking the coals. I mean, there's always a way to do Bishal Akam, but there's not always a scenario when you could do Pot Akam. So in a way, it seems stricter. But you don't because need it. That's the point. Like, a kashrit organization will give a bread, a brand, a hashagacha, even if there was no a Jew there a turning on the coven. Whereas in Abishalakum, so it takes more to earn the katras certification. Now, of course, remember, we have all those factors. It is a food right. that can be eaten raw, then there's no Abishalakum. Would this be served on the king's table? There's no Abishalakum. So we do have, you know, some ways to make Abishalakum not an issue, but where it isn't, issue, a Jew would have to be involved in order to make it a kosher. Okay. Um, now, right after we talk about Asari Jumei Tereshuba, we'll get to what do you do about those uh, foods that were not assured if they're bred and fall under patakum or abishalakum? In which case, you know, could they get a, a kashra certification if there's no Jew involved or not? So, yeah, it's easy to take care of abishalakum but you still need the presence of a Jew. Whereas in the case of a pot akum, you don't even need a Jew there to, um, to make it uh, a kosher. I mean, you can't have non-kosher ingredients, of course. So, but um, you don't need the Jew there to turn on the oven to make it okay. Okay, so in terms of shuba, why is there a custom to be uh, strict? What does pot akum have to do with so the rush, again, our rush we keep uh, seeing, writes as follows. And again, he quotes another uh, Gemara from the Yerushalmi. So rush writes in Excess Source, we're in section number four, the custom to be strict during Aseret Yimei Teshuvah. This is on top of page uh, five. So he writes, Yerushalmi the Parakama de Shabbat, in the Yerushalmi, the first chapter of Tractate Shabbat, says Rebbe Chia Rabba, Mafkid Larab, Yeta Yachol Lamecha Akula Shata Betahara Achol. So Rebbe Chia, the uh, elder, said to Rab, if you all year round can eat food in a, in a state of purity, you should uh, do that. V'ilo, but if you're not able to always eat food in a state of a physical purity, at least eat in a purity the seven days of the year. What are those uh, seven uh, days of the year? So the Rush now explains the So the Ravia writes, Ki abalti. She'elu shavaya mimhein shavain rosh hashana liyom hakipurim. These seven days that Rav was told to eat in a state of uh, purity, those are the seven days between rosh hashana and yom kippur. The ten days of Teshuvah. Ten includes two days of rosh hashana and one day of yom kippur. So that's the Yeruah uh, Shalmi that Rav was told. If you're not able to maintain a constant state of uh, ritual uh, purity uh, during the year, at least be a pure, at least eat your food in uh, purity during these days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. 
now the rush writes, Alkena Hagu Beashkenaz Af Otan Shein is Harimi Pach on Nahrim Kohashana Basara Ime Hachuba Nizharim. Based on this, says the rush, those Jews in Ashkenaz, those Jews in medieval Europe, who are not able to observe Pat Hakum all year round, they are a careful to not eat pot alkum during aseret yemei teshuva, during the seven days between Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. Um, so there's no Talmudic basis to be, to be uh, strict about pot alkum, but it seems that the Jews of Ashkenaz inferred from this Yerushalmi about me attaining a pure uh, state during a Saratimea meaning if you're not able to maintain this ideal uh, during the year, at least do, uh, do it during these days of Shuba. And they inferred from that, or they applied this to the concept of Pat Akum as well. And the Shulchan Aruch cites this, the Halacha, writes next to source, even those who are not a careful, again, and even those who do not, even those who eat pot, those who are not a careful against eating the bread of a non-Jew, should be a careful during these, during the days of, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Um, and the Levush, in the next uh, text we have, explains what is the co connection between this idea of uh, purity regarding, you know, that we saw in the Yeru uh, Shalmi, and the prohibition against eating pot akum, that this, that this idea was applied to in a practice. So writes the Levush, Afilu mi shalonizam ripat shalagoyim v'sharim otashana noagim lizaher bo b'chosar imei teshuva hanav rosh hashana ad yom kippur. So even those who are not a careful against eating pat akum during the rest of the year are a careful to not eat it during the days between rosh hashana to yom kippur. Kedei lahanhig atzmo b'tahara. In order to adapt yourselves with this extra level of purity, afilu hayamim. Sorry, during these days. And why, why do we want to have this extra level of tahara, this extra level of purity uh, uh, during these days? To remind us that these days are unlike other days. These are uh, different. To elevate them from other days of the year. And if you're not able to abate it, if you live in one of those uh, places where, you know, there's one oven for everyone, at least he says, Maybe you be the one to uh, purify the oven. You like a kosher it before the non-Jew uh, cooks in it. Throw in a twig to the fire so that it looks like you are can attributing to the baking. To, re, to imprint on our hearts that we are not like them, that we are uh, separate, the Kedusha in holiness, 
uvitahara, and in uh, purity. And why do we want to uh, do that? So this will inspire us to repent, to do a better. So it's to remind us that we should be on a higher level. We should be holier than we are during the rest of the year. And therefore, that should help spur us to do Teshuvah, to repent during these days. Um, and I think what we can, you know, see the, see the relationship between the two is that Maybe it, it, maybe it is an I, I, I ideal thing to do. And it's brought in the Mishnah. Just like on Yom Kippur, we try to be our ideal uh, beings by being like angels. We don't eat. I mean, I try to be on a level unlike the rest of the year. But we realize that we can't be angels all, all year. We can't, you know, pray all day, every single day. We, we can't not eat. So we uh, set aside this day to be unlike the rest of the year and to elevate it in, you know, holiness and a purity. And Pat Akum, the way kind of things worked out, that's also an ideal that we weren't able to main, main, uh, attain the rest of the year. It just wasn't a possible. It, it didn't work with the re of Jews for a very long time. So taking the lesson of Yom Kippur and just as if, just as we elevate ourselves during Yom Kippur to be like angels, so we can elevate ourselves during this time to refrain from Pat Akum. So it's not as a far-fetched relationship um, as maybe it seems at first a glance. Um, and it takes the uh, message of Yom Kippur of living an ideal that we're not always able to maintain and applying it to Pat Akum as well, which ended up being an ideal that was unattainable to maintain for a long time. So that is a custom um, observed by many to refrain from eating Pat Akum uh, during this time. And uh, it's when I came home from uh, Trader Joe's on Somi Gedalia, or actually, since I was in a quarantine, I did order the food. Maybe it was from Whole Foods, I don't remember. And I saw, oh, it has a hashgacha, but it says Pat Akum, or it, 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 it doesn't say Pat Yisra, Yisrael on it. I refrained from eating it. But I did use it to break my uh, past after Yom Kippur when it was over. Okay, now moving to the next kind of sub uh, uh, topic here, number uh, five. We're now going to turn to a category of uh, food, which whose status uh, is unclear, whether it's a bread, and thus the laws or the leniencies of pat akum would be applicable or if it's a cooked a food, and thus the more uh, stringent abishal akum would apply. So this is a category called pat hababikisin. And it's, you know, defined as like a dough-like food, but it has like a, a fruit, a juice mixed into it. And, you know, it would be things like uh, cake, a bread, a kugel, sometimes a pizza, you know, a pan of cakes. These are all uh, foods that in the laws of, of, of uh, brachot, of blessings, the, the question is, do we, are these more like bread? And therefore you would have to wash, say hamotzi and say birkat hamazon on them. Or are these not bread and you'd bless, you make a mezo, a note and an alha 
Hanechia on them. So it's a question in Hilchot Brachot, and the law will depend on whether you are a Ko'avea, a Se'uda, whether you establish a meal on it. So that's why some people say if you only have one slice of pizza, then that's not a meal. You'd only have to say a mez notes and say al hamichia, and, and 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 they would say only if you have a lot that you that would be like really a meal. Would you have to wash and say your katamazon? Some would, you know, the Rama says, you know, people are eating these huge uh, kiddushes at uh, shul with, you know, uh, cookies and crackers and cakes, and they uh, should be washing and they're not. But what can I do? I'm not going to tell that they're, everyone they're doing the wrong thing, or they're not going to listen anyways. But it seems to imply that if you're eating a large amount of cakes and and uh, cookies, that you know, it would be like a meal. You could wash on it. Do you wash on pan uh, cakes or not? It, maybe it uh, depends on how many you eat. So Pat Hababe Akisn is, is a category whose uh, status raises halachic questions. Now, with regard to our Akashrit one, the question is, is it like bread or is it like a cooked food? So a toast vote uh, deals with this in the next uh, source we have. So and, uh, he writes uh, the next uh, text, Kamash Malan de Akimcha Pu Ikar. I mean, a kimcha ikar, that flour is the main ingredient here. Votan nilash, midalo mevarchen alay berchat hamotzi, yesh bahen mishum bishule nachrim. So, this kind of dough food, which had, I think, like, like a kreplach kind of thing. Um, some say, since you don't say ha-motzi, since you don't wash and say ha-motzi on it, then it would have the status of a bishul akumen, you'd need a Jew to be involved in the cooking. Mihu, however, amar ha-rev de'ein bahem mishum betnun is hishul nachrin. However, Reb Yechiel says, they do not constitute a bishul Hakum. Why? He gives two reasons. Kevan, because one, the aderech afiat pat avid lehu, it's baked like a bread. That's the first thing. It's made like bread. Ve'od, and furthermore, di kava se'udate alaihu, if you were to establish your meal around it, mevarech pirchat hamotzi, then you would wash and say hamotzi on it. Alma, consequently, patninhu, it has the status of a bread. So, for a toast vote, if there is a food which is both baked like bread, and you uh, could nuts and, and uh, timmins uh, donuts, you know these are all things which would constitute parababe akismen. So that's the view of the tosufist. Um, let's move, you know, jump uh, jump in time to the Ramah to see how he uh, codified the halakha. He writes haga a note but otan milush shekorim. Uh, so those in English, as we call uh, kichel. So again, it's like a, a, a bereka kind of thing. Oh, mine mitika shekorim laikich, or you know, sweet kind of baked goods. Heim bechlal pot. These are considered a bread. 
And in a place where you are lenient with regard to pots akum, gam heim mutarim, even these are allowed. And we do not say that bishul akum applies uh, uh, to them. We apply the laws of pots akum and all the leniencies which that entails. And he says, that there are some which they like add uh, uh, lard onto, so those you should be strict about. Now, there are some of these things which they make in an oven wrap that's been like wiped with uh, lard or uh, a pig. Obviously, but Otani lays a hair Osiran. Those we don't eat, you know, because the day may have some tray food that's been absorbed into it. The Chena main hug, and that is the, that's the custom. Um, so any food which you could be a Kovea Asuda, you could wash on it, you could, you know, make, you could establish a meal on it. You know, so any, any kind of baked good, which is you know made, it's baked like bread, and you could wash on it. That has the status a pot hababe a kisnit. Actually, a donut since they're boiled, maybe I don't totally know. So maybe that wouldn't be the the case. But uh, cookies and uh, cakes, um, donuts are a uh, fry. Sorry, cookies or a uh, cakes which are baked. Um, uh, pizza, those would all have the status a pot hababit a kisnin, which is pot hakum, and the linis de pot akum would apply. Now, the shach um, brings uh, somewhat of a qualifier on this, and he writes in the next source, Shakorn Akechlach, Adafka Shabililatan Hava. They have to have a thick mixture not like a liquid we want like a pan a cake they also have to take the shape of a bread so that would perhaps limit a thin or a thinner um mixture like a pan a cake um because that's more liquidy it's not a thick mixture like a cookie or a liquidy a cake wouldn't fall under this for the shach um, has, and it has to, you know, rise and take the shape of a bread. So only a thick dough would be considered pat hababit kisnin to get the leniency of pat hakum. And uh, he also and he also explains, um, you know, why this leniency works. And he writes, and then the Ataz explains. Since you would establish your meal around these uh, foods, mevare hamotzi, you would make, you would bless hamotzi, and alkain dinan kepat mamash. Since you would bless hamotzi on it, it's as if they are actual bread, and thus the the leniency of patakum would apply. So to uh, sum this up, if you have um, a, a zonot food, which has a thick a, a batter, and you could establish a uh, a meal. I mean, you could wash and say hamotzi, meaning like a pasta you could never wash on. You couldn't be kovea a on that. 
So pasta cannot have the status of bread or therefore pasta. But if you have a food that has a thick a dough, like a pizza, you could wash on it, then that's treated like pot hakum. Okay. Um, the leniency of a tossing the dick into a fire, which you know was a dispute between the Ashke Anazim and the Sefaradim with regard to abishal akum for everyone applies to pot akum because that was in the Gemara and the Babli itself. And thus in the, in the number of hicks here, uh, tossing a stick into the fire, the Shuchan Aruch rules as follows. This is a line we've seen a lot. If the non-Jew lights the oven and the Jew bakes in it, or the Jew lights the fire and a non-Jew bakes in it. Or a non-Jew lit the oven and a non-Jew baked in the oven. But a Jew came and, you know, uh, made the fire a little uh, bigger. This bread is now allowed. This is not pot hakum anymore. Even if all the Jew did was throw a uh, a tiny stick into the fire, all the bread in this huge oven we saw before would be allowed. Because as the Rambam said, the Shulchan Arach reiterates, all you need is a heker. You just need a symbolic act to remind you that their bread is prohibited. Um, and that's how the Shulchan Aruch writes, that uh, throwing a stick into the fire, um, it works. And uh, Harash, though he agrees, he agrees a little bit uh, hesitatingly, and he writes, first the Rush writes, you know, this is the Rambam, the Rambam Katashu Israel, a few eight tochatanor, Hitir kol hapachibo on the top of page uh, six. The Rush quotes the Ram Abam who says that even if all a Jew did was throw a stick in, that works. Shein liot heker, because again, all this is meant to be is a symbolic act. Asura to remind you that not a Jewish bread is prohibited. However, the Rush says, Lishna de Gemara Lomash Mahachi. He says, actually, you know, I know the Rambam writes this, but this is not at all implied from the language of the Gemara. I'll share my screen. Because remember, the Gemara never said uh, throwing a stick, and that's, uh, that's, an, that's an act we only saw added by the later medieval Shonim. And Rush points out the fact that a tossing in a stick could work. That's never found in the Gemara. Nevertheless, he says, Hanach Israel Shuvigim. I'm not going to tell everyone this is wrong. No one's going to listen uh, to me. And better that people sin in it avertently than know it's wrong and sin uh, purposely. So Harash says, I don't really see this as an effective leniency. He thinks the Jew has to be much more involved in the process of, of baking, but he says is what uh, people do, so what can I do? So that's a view of the rush. Um, and one, one last aspect of pot akum that we're going to look at is 
patakum in a mixture. Let's say you have a food which has both bread in it, patakum, and um, and a bishel akum. So you have like a meat pareka. Um, what do you do? Do you go by the pot, the bread in it, or the, and then it would be, okay, mishum pot akum, or do you go by the, the food in it and it's a problem of abishal akum and then the, then the laws of abishal akum would apply and the stringencies of abishal akum would apply. So the Tor, who's the son of the Rush, um, writes as follows, katsvu ha so the Geonim, the Babylonian rabbis who uh, follow the time of the Babli, they write, Kutach was this, this is a food, it's mentioned a lot in the Gemara. It's like breadcrumbs mixed with milk. Um, so it has both bread in it and it has other food mixed in. So he says, these are muteret. You're allowed to eat it. Even, so this was a time when there's still pot. So even though there's a, a bread in it and, and a non-Jew baked this, we don't worry about the pot. We go by the other uh, food in it. So even though there's a crust in this food, um, we, it's, you know, no, um, in light of the other food it's, it's mixed with. And in that vein, he continues, and the re, matir, this is re, Rabbi Yitzhak the Tosafist, he's matir, he allows the misha nizhar mi pat shalved kochavim lechol bekeara imisha eno nizhar mi menu. Let's say you have two people eating, and one person is very careful about pat akum, the other person is not careful about pat akum. The one who's careful about pat akum can eat the food of the one who, the one who is a careful about pat akum can eat the food of the one who is not a careful about pat akum. And you don't have to worry that their breads are gonna mix two together. So if someone's very careful about pat akum, he's eating with someone who's not a careful about akum, and therefore their food might get mixed together, that's okay. You don't have to worry about the one who's not a careful bread getting mixed in. And the Yosef, which Rev Yosef Akairo's commentary on the Torah writes as follows um, on this line of the Torah, where he allows two people to eat together, even where one of them is not a careful. This is a view of the Toshapis. And why is it okay? Why is it the one who is a careful? Why are they allowed to eat with a person who isn't a careful? Even though there, even though there is a fear that their food will get mixed together, and so the Tosfot explains, even though the bread, the pot akum will get mixed with the pot Yisrael, ein lachmir leesor al ta harovet. We don't prohibit pot hakum in a mixture. It, it, it doesn't have that power to prohibit in a, you know, once it's mixed with other food. Um, 
And when the when the Shulchan Aruch brings down the halacha, it uh, brings both these uh, rules um, of the Torah. And the Shulchan Aruch writes in Sif Yer Adalid, Siman Kuf Yebet, Kutah Shalved Kochavim Mutar. Again, this food where it's crumbs mixed with the milk, it's a little bit of salt in there too. If a if a if a uh, non-Jew makes it, it is mutar. It's allowed. In choshim lepat obed kochavim shabot. Even if you do observe pat akum, you don't have to worry about the pat akum in this uh, food. And the rama here adds haga v'chein kol makom shenet arba pat shobed kochavim b'shar ma'achal. And this is the case anytime pat akum is mixed together with other uh, food. Batel Birov. The pot akum gets molds by the majority of the food. So, since in the case of the kutach, there's more milk than the bread, the milk wins the day, and the whole uh, mixture, the whole food is allowed. And this applies bain pelach, bain beyavesh. This applies whether it's a liquid food or uh, solid, but he adds, but you can't uh, purposely mix pots akum with other uh, food in, in, in order that you should be allowed to eat it. And the, the Shulchan Aruch also adds that two people, one who's uh, careful about pots akum, can eat with one who's not uh, careful about pots akum, and you don't have to worry about the food getting mixed together. And the uh, Rama. Uh, the Rama adds that this is not just for a kashrut reason, it's also for a, a social reason. The Rama adds, Mishum Eva Uketata, because you don't want to cause a fight, you don't want to cause a friction between people that they don't care about Patakum and you do, so you can eat with them and not cause a larger uh, struggle about the issue. And why? Why does this come up specifically with bread? So there's two reasons. Um, and the Rama and the Shach both explain because Ho'il in loyal hell in pot show ikar eba because bread is like the main part of the meal. So it'll, it'll be very noticeable if you don't eat the bread, and that will hurt the person who isn't careful about pot hakum. And the Shah writes this too. It's specifically with bread that there would cause friction between people because everyone needs bread. Bread is the main source of uh, food. But everyone says, and there are Malkobeth, there are Ma, you can't infer from this to other prohibitions. You, you, I can't say, I'm going to eat by my friend who doesn't keep kosher at all, so I don't hurt them. It's only with pot akum that we allow you to eat with someone who's not a careful about it for two reasons. One, we see that bread is the main part of the meal, and it'll be very noticeable if you uh, don't eat. Whereas if you don't eat like their butter, he says, no one will uh, notice. And no, so the gras adds, and with this, I will be done. Sorry, I'm going to, I'm, uh, I'm going two minutes over. I just want to complete this. The Grav gives one additional reason why only with regard to bread could you eat with a person who's not a careful about it, but this would not apply to other prohibitions. And that is because yeshna mipnei hamachloket 
Pat akum is not really problematic. It's not something which is actually not kosher from the Torah. It's a rabbinic prohibition. So because it's a rabbinic prohibition, and because if you didn't eat it, it would be so a glaring, again, because the bread is the main part of the meal, and it's, again, it's a rabbinic prohibition. Those two aspects work together to allow you to eat with a person who's not a careful about pot hakum. So where it's only a rabbinic prohibition like this, like pot hakum, and it's such a big part of the meal, you can eat with another, a person to avoid machloket, to avoid them feeling hurt, to avoid uh, height. And with that, we will conclude our study of Pat Akum. So I think it's a nice a place to end. And on the one hand, this is a prohibition whose very foundation is a social preventative measure. We don't eat Pat Akum to serve the larger goals of intermarriage and keeping Jews a Jews. And in that vein, to maintain the peace within Jewish communities, within, with you know, one neighbors and friends. If you are a person who is a careful Nazi pot akum, you can eat with another Jew who's not a careful to maintain the peace and harmony between Jewish neighbors. Um, so on one hand, the same prohibition meant to social dance between Jews and non-Jews. You can also be lenient to keep the harmony and peace and the, the, and the social relations between of Jews. Um, and this is, you know, as we've seen, while Padakum is a prohibition in the Mishnah, we've seen how the lives and the living experience of the Jewish people throughout times has uh, affected how this halacha is practiced and observed observed and why it's something which isn't so relevant nowadays other than the 10 days be between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur um, where we want to have that extra level of holiness to inspire us to do Teshuvah. And with that we will end Pat Akum. And it's nice that I mentioned milk and this food Kuatach. For next week we're going to turn to for our last week the prohibition against challah uh, v'nachri and why many people do do not have a challah Israel nowadays. So have a wonderful week, a good day, or a good night, depending on where you are. And thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Srashik, for another great class. I'm looking forward to the remaining class of this series next Monday. And thank you to everyone who joined us today on Zoom, on Drisha Live, and on Facebook. We are going to continue our full program tomorrow at 1 p.m. with the fifth part of the multi-part series by Dr. Hanan Gafni on the origins of academic Jewish studies. In addition, we have many more classes happening right now. You can find more information as well as the registration links on our website at www.drisha.org classes or watch live at www.drisha.org live. Thank you again for this opportunity to learn with you, Dr. Shar Shik. And for everyone who attended, we hope to see you soon at one of our upcoming uh, classes at Drisha. 
Have a wonderful week.